0: Well, hey, this is Joey Ferjanik, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. What's up, everybody? So glad you're with us, uh, whether online or in person. My name is Joey. have the privilege of being the lead pastor right here uh, at the Block Church. It's our mission to revive every block. We want to see Jesus in as many places in our city, in our region as possible. That's our mission. So glad you're with us. Let's take a moment. Let's welcome all of our physical locations and those watching online. Come on, let's say Hello. (laughs) Welcome to Sit With Me Sunday. If you're a guest, uh, we're so glad somebody brought you. You said yes to that invite. Believe God's gonna change your life and we're about to preach God's word. But before we do, uh, I just wanna bring your attention to something that's on your seat. If you're in person, there are cards on every seat. It says Great Lent. And next week, everybody say next week. Next week, we start a brand new, I guess, theme. It's, it's a series, but it's not. It's, it's a theme as we focus on the season of Lent, uh, as we kind of empty ourselves to seek God together. We're gonna be fasting, and if you flip over on the other side of the card, we have our fasting schedule and what uh, many will do uh, together, but also some will do even larger or different things. And But this is a great guide if you wanna get started, if you want to jump in, uh, of course, th- there's no pressure. The, the, nobody's making you do this. But this is an opportunity to draw closer to Jesus, to draw closer to God. So grab that, put that on your refrigerator. Going to be a great several weeks as we preach God's word. I'll be kicking this off next week. Uh, and then we'll be, we'll be fasting starting tomorrow. And it looks like sugar and caffeine. So nobody kill nobody this week, All right. <laughs> All right. Drink it all today uh, after church, uh, but excited that today is sit with me. We do this every once in a while just to encourage uh, those of us in this church, this local body to invite and bring people. And we hope that there are many a guest uh, who are in our body today and we welcome you. We're grateful you're here and I uh, want you to know you're loved. And we want you to know that we believe God's word can transform and change you your life. I think God's about to do that in many of you right now. And I was thinking about, uh, have you ever given back something you lost? Have you ever been given back something you lost? I was at the gym the other week. And I know it's hard to imagine. Uh, and uh, I lost my AirPods somehow. or or the, or excuse me, the case of the AirPods. They were in my ear and then the case fell. And so I'm like finishing my, uh, my just strong extended workout and, Uh, I'm like, oh man, where is my, you know, case? And then I'm stressed out because I had a flight to catch the next day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if I don't find this, they're not gonna have power. I don't have time to fix it. And so I'm looking everywhere. And like people are on machines and I'm like, hey, is there a case there? And like, it's so awkward. So finally I just give up. And I go and I'm like, I'm going to be the guy with the, you know, the string, you know, whatever with because I don't even, I probably have like the old, you know, plug in. So like, it's going to be a horrible flight. And I finally get to the end and uh, I, I just ask them at the front, hey, did anyone turn this in? And they're like, oh yeah, these, I was like, oh, I should have just asked them in the first place. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just, it was like a good feeling. Because I was worked up, I thought I lost something that I needed, but it was found the whole time. You know, there's a correlation there to your spirituality. Many who are lost or who were lost, really they, in a sense, the freedom, being found, hope, it's been there the whole time. It's the revelation of the hope of the gospel, the hope of the good news. When it's received, you go from lost to found. And for many of us, we've been and we are lost and found. We we know the truth, but we don't fully lean into the truth. So we stay found but we also stay lost. And today, I want to preach a message to you that I think is going to help you move on from being lost to simply just being found. So the title of my message today is Lost and Found. Lost and Found. Look at somebody next to you and tell them you found their AirPods. Tell them. (laughs) You know, if there's a story emulating the Father's love, I think it would be out of 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I want to read that, but the whole concept of God's identity Uh, is to draw us close, to get on our level and restore us to our predestined seat next to the Father while also experiencing all of his benefits. I think many of us who were lost and were found now experience the benefits of God. Some who uh, were lost but also were found and stay a little bit in both worlds don't experience the fullness of God's benefits. But God's heart, it's to say, come on home, leave the past behind you. Leave what happened behind you. There's a great story in the scriptures in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse one, about King David and this relationship he has with this individual. And the Bible says in verse one, it says, and David said, is there still anyone left of the house or family of Saul, former king, to whom I may show kindness? Very weird for a king to say this in those times. And he says this for Jonathan's sake, who was formerly his his best friend. There was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So they called him to David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, I'm your servant. And the king said, is there no longer anyone left in the house or family of Saul to whom I may show goodness and graciousness of God? And Ziba replied to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan, one whose feet are crippled. One of his feet are crippled. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter seven, David, before he becomes king, really, he, he asks, he proposes to the Lord, hey, I wanna build you a house. I wanna build you a temple. And similarly, uh, now that he's king, he's saying, what can I also do for others? I think that, uh, by the way, that is a great posture to have as people. God, what can I do for you Uh, And then also, let me translate that, and what can I do for others? A lot of times we say we're doing things for God, but not doing things for others. And then we're really not doing anything for God at all. We're just doing stuff for ourselves. So I just love the heart of David here because it shows that they are connected. David's question also showed uh, great... Great reverence for God's process. He understood God's heart. He understood God's identity. Because when you become king, it's natural. And actually, it was common for you to massacre, literally, massacre the previous family who was king. So, so, so kingdoms go down in lineages. So it's like, well, Saul was the king. He had a son, Jonathan. Both of them have passed. It, the kingdom should have stayed in Saul's family, but it didn't. God had other plans. And so when, when, when that happens, David would have been within his kingly rights to massacre everybody. But he goes against this principle of revenge, against the principle of self-preservation and asks what he could do for the family of his enemy. This is a picture of the gospel. It reminds me of Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor, excuse me, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven, the kingdom of God is opposite of the kingdom of this world. It's not the same. And David had the heart of God, and he also understood these principles. I'm not here to massacre my enemies. I'm here to make unity and love within who might be called my enemies. Now, certainly, when you go through the Old Testament, there is context for David attacking his enemies. That's not what I'm talking about here. He felt compelled for those in his land those in his community, those under his direct leadership to show them love, not make an enemy of them. I want to ask you, how are you doing with this? How are you doing with loving your enemies? How are you doing with loving your household? How are you doing with loving your brothers and your sisters, your friends, people? How are you doing with this? How are you doing with people? Who don't make a lick of difference in your life and don't provide you any benefit, do you still love them and offer them service? I just think that it's a picture when you start to do that, it's a picture that God really, his DNA is, is flowing through you. It says that I might show kindness for Jonathan's sake. David did this because he remembered his relationship and his covenant with his best friend Jonathan from 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14. His actions were not only based on feelings, but also on the promise of a covenant. I love that about God. God is a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. God does not make decisions, and he doesn't instruct his people to make decisions based on feelings alone. We make decisions based on covenant and promises. So what is covenant in the New Testament or the new covenant? We have what we call the new covenant where we're saved by grace, redeemed by God, by grace alone through faith, never to be forsaken, left out, forgotten, but given a seat. Given a seat to be sons and daughters. This is the covenant that all who confess with their mouth, believe in their heart, turn from their sin and acknowledge that there is but one way and that's through Jesus Christ, then you are within the new covenant never to be forgotten, forsaken, or without a seat if you want it. This is our relationship with God. You understand that we were enemies and we may be enemies of God due to our sin yet. This phrase is key to understanding who God is. And it's key to understanding David's motivation in this chapter. While I was a sinner, he died for me. While I was an enemy, he welcomed me. While I was a nobody, he made me a somebody. Well, I was an orphan, he adopted me. Guys, this is the gospel. I don't know what you've heard about Jesus or the church or God, but like this is the gospel. Yeah. Because of our sin, because of our self-love, self-worship, whatever you want to call it, we're enemies of God. But David's heart shows the heart of the Father that I want to be in covenant with you. Now, we're about to talk about this individual Mephibosheth, who I'm going to call Mo for the sake of not having to say Mephibosheth 396 times. We're about to learn about Mo and because in 2 Samuel 4, this person that was referenced, this individual uh, that was son of Jonathan, uh, basically when he was made lame in his feet because of an accident. When he was, when his father, Jonathan, and grandfather died in battle, listen to this. Basically what happens is, is his nurse gathers him and they flee in haste. And because they're running in haste, she feared whoever the new leader would be. That's how real this was. So they're running and she drops him and the baby becomes crippled in his feet. A son of Jonathan, That's who he was. And this means that according to the prior destiny, Bephibosheth, he had the right to the throne. He was a son of the firstborn of the king and all the other potential heirs were dead. So in a political sense, David could see Mo as a rival or a threat. Mm. In verse four, so the king said to him, well, where is he? And Zebra replied to the king, He's in the house of Makir near the son of Emil in Lodabar. Now, this speaks of Mo's status in life that he was former royalty. He should have had land, he should have had a house, he should have had money, he should have had all of it, should have been king, yet he's living in somebody else's house. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you that apart from God, you are missing your potential? Can I tell you that you could be living in somebody else's shack and somebody else's home. You could be living in somebody else's. And of course, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you an illustration. You could be living in somebody else's dream for you. You could be living in somebody else's wants for you. You could not be living up to what God has called you to or asked you or dreamed or planned or designed for you. You could be living outside of his will and missing the goodness of his benefits. And I think that that is an illustration of here, this person's supposed to be royalty made by God in the family of the kingdom, and yet he's living in somebody else's house. It's, it's an image, even too, of the prodigal son who wandered and was living outside of God's best because he wasn't in the father's house. Well, this, of course, wasn't most doing. I'm just saying it's like we all have these seasons where we're lost and until we're found, we don't find the full potential of the peace and the hope and the vision that God has for us. In verse five, then King David sent word and had him brought from the house of Achir the son of Amil from Lodabar. Mo, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell face down and lay himself down in respect. David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here's your servant, See, Mo must have been terrified when messengers from David knocked on his door and demanded that he come see the king. I mean, he thought at this moment, okay, this is the end of my life. I've stayed hidden for long enough and I've lived a life of obscurity and of really no purpose. And now I'm going to die. You know, they say that you overcome fears by doing the thing that makes you afraid immediately. So like if you're afraid of flying, then they say you should fly as many days in a row as you possibly can until the fear leaves you. In other words, the the best way to overcome fear is to face fear. I like to say it like this, the best way to conquer fear is to follow fear. If you see fear in your sphere, follow the fear until it is removed out of your house. To be honest with you, I rather, if I was Mo, I'd rather face David and not live a life of obscurity and fear every single day. I'd rather just, just kill me. But a lot of us, and what he did is he spent his life hiding, and they were unfounded fears. We have, a lot of us have unfounded fears of God or even authority unnecessarily. But maybe, maybe just maybe God's kindness is so unimaginable and we hide and we miss it. Think of Adam and Eve. Think of Adam and Eve and they sin, they fail God. What do they do? They make fig leaves, they clothe themselves from being naked and they hide from God and God's walking around the garden going, where are you, where are you? And I can't say this for fact, but what if Adam would have just stepped up and been the man he should have been and just said, God, we messed up, will you forgive us? Instead, they hid, they tried to manipulate, they blamed each other and they ended up outside of the seat that they were given. What did they miss? What was Mo missing? Second chance, mercy, ministry, resource, peace, rest, forgiveness, opportunity. What, What was he missing? What was Adam and Eve missing? And the question is, is what are you missing? By hiding. And I commend you for coming here today. I commend you for getting in church. I commend you for listening to this message. But like, your hiding is probably doing more to limit your potential than it is if you would just face God. Deal with sin. Address the problem. I don't know about you, I just, I'd just rather die than live my whole life without knowing. And I love... The story because it's an image of who God is in God's mercy and grace he uses david to illustrate this to us david says go find him what was david doing david is probably sitting at his table and eating and drinking and kinging whatever that means and like out of nowhere he's like ah oh. Anybody else in Jonathan's family? Like, where does that come from? Well, the Spirit of God obviously led him to do that. The Spirit of God led somebody to invite you. And for some reason, for some reason, God had you on his mind. And for some reason, you said yes to listen, yes to watch, yes to come. Because God's kindness and his mercy and his love and his favor is way more, way bigger than you could have ever imagined. Would you open up your heart? And in verse seven, David says to him, do not be afraid. I say the same thing to you today. Don't be afraid of God. Don't be afraid of his love, his kindness. There's no sin. There's no lifestyle that he's afraid of says, I'll certainly sow you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I'll restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you shall always eat at my table. Again, Mo lay himself face down and said, what is your servant that you would be concerned for a dead dog like me? Oh, it's so sad. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do according to everything that my Lord, the king commands. So Mo ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mo had a young son whose name was Micah and all who lived in Ziba's house were servants now to Mo. So Mo lived in Jerusalem for he always ate at the king's table and he was lame in both feet. I just think about the story. I just think about David, the king, who, who literally eats and sleeps in comfort, who at the end of the day has king problems and king issues, but probably a lot of great benefit to being king. And, and for some reason, kindness, genuine love and mercy deep in his heart that he would say, hey, go find my friend's son and let me show mercy to him. And instead of seeing Mo as a rival, he sees him as a brother and a son. Mephibosheth called himself a dog. That's how lowly he saw himself. That—that's—that's. That's, he, he never imagined eating grapes and fruits and great food and fine wines or whatever was at the king's table. He, he saw himself as a dog. Can I get some scraps? And I think a lot of us, if we really, really got down to it, we really thought about ourselves, we probably see ourselves way lower than the way God sees us. We probably see ourselves as failing at parenting or failing at marriage or missing the mark at times at our work or not living up to our potential or continuing to struggle in the same sin or the same addiction or. Am I making the right decision? And we second guess and, and we, we, we look in the mirror and we could be beautiful. I mean, we could be stunningly physically beautiful and still not see what God sees. And Mo was just sitting there going like, how can you love a worthless dog? How? And David, and David acting and functioning as, as a picture of God going, I don't see you that way. You're a son. You're, you're a brother. You're family to me. Sit at my table. Have every. I restore to you everything that was taken, everything that was stolen, everything that was lost. I'm sorry for the hurt and pain you've experienced, like that kind of compassion and empathy. And can I tell you, that's the way God sees you. He sees you as his children. He's literally saying, sit with me, eat from my table. Let me pour my favor on you, my blessing on you, my anointing on you, my love on you, my purpose on you. I've, I've given you the church. I want to give you community. I want to give you life and life abundantly. Stop hiding. Romans nine twenty five, Paul. He's basically communicating what Hosea said. And I love the message version that says, Hosea put it well, all call nobodies and make them somebodies. I'll call the unloved and make them beloved. That's you. And he ate continually at the table, and he was lame in both feet. And listen to me for a moment. God may not take away the thorn, he may not heal the sickness on earth. He may not take away the fullness of the mental illness. He certainly can. He may not fix the wayward husband. I don't know, I'm not God, I can't decide for him. God didn't fix his lame feet, but he still gave him access. He still gave him opportunity to be known. And I believe God can heal and I believe God can deliver and I believe God can save. But the reality is this is between you and God right now. You have a seat at his table. You've got the king's attention. And I believe God is a restorer and God is a redeemer and he can take your trouble and your struggle and whatever lame issue you have, whatever big problem you got, whatever it is, God can take that and use it for his glory if you let him. And as I close, as I close, I I just wanna, I wanna put us in Mo's seat one more time because we were hiding and poor, weak and lame and fearful before our King Jesus came to us. We were separated from King Jesus because of our wicked ancestors or generational iniquity. We are separated from our King Jesus because of our deliberate actions. We separated ourselves from our King Jesus because of our sin, because we didn't know him or we didn't fully know his love for us, but our King Jesus sought us out before we sought him. Our King Jesus' kindness, it's based on a covenant that will not be broken. If you say you want him, you can have him. We must receive King Jesus' kindness and humility, acknowledging there's no other way. King Jesus returns to us what we lost in hiding from him. Jesus returns to us more than we lost in hiding from him. We have the, pr- we have the privilege of provision of King Jesus and his table. We are received as sons and daughters of King Jesus with access to fellowship with him. Not a bunch of rules, not a bunch of regulations, but to dine with the King. King Jesus, his grace is a pattern for us to serve and minister to others. What we receive from him, we give away and pull up another chair. We should seek out our enemies and seek to bless them. We should look for the poor, the weak, the lame, and the hidden and bless them. We should bless others when they don't deserve it and bless them more than they deserve. We should show the kindness of God to others. Today, I'm Mo. You're Mo. And for some reason, I sit at the table with the king because I said yes and because he came and found me. As we close today, I wanna tell you a story. Maybe if you weren't able to connect to Mo, I surely know you'll be able to connect to Victor. God's gonna speak to your heart because you belong at the King's table. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially wanna thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.